0: Hi, I'm Adriana Medina Kagan. Welcome to Bien Fuerte. It's time to speak. This podcast was created to connect our community to others who are interested in exercising, not only their physical bodies, but their mind, spirit, and soul as well. Listen to life experiences, themes, and topics that have taught us how to shed those limiting beliefs. Get advice from fitness experts, clients, business owners and other community members that have inspired us to embrace abundance and freedom in all departments of our lives. Be brave enough to borrow other people's courage until we find our own strength to blaze our own way in this life and know that you are not alone. Hola, hola mi gente. Welcome to another episode of Bien Fuerte. It's time to speak. And I have my girlfriend, professional, colleague, writer, m- major helper in my business here with me. I figured with the new year, why not, Robin? Let's talk about branching out to all the people that are interested on in going your own, starting your own business. This is the lady you want to talk to because she can really help you just dial in what you need as far as marketing goes. And then as far as how to set up your website, I met Robin Block here with Block Beta at Winnet Women's Networking Entrepreneur Training. And she was one of the instructors and she was teaching us about websites and SEOs and all that fun stuff 18 years ago because I started my business in 2004. And before I decided to go branch out on my own, I figured why not see what the Small Business Administration had to offer us. Basically, that's why they're there. And and here's Robin. <laughs> she helped me branch out in my business. And then eventually she's like, wait a minute, I need some support too in fitness. Let me take some of your classes. <laughs> yes. So welcome, Robin. She was about to get into her background a little bit. And I was like, hold on. We got to record that information. We were just kind of randomly talking about how As women and men, we function differently. And I told her that it was complicated for me because I grew up with a single mother. So she was both. And I had these masculine characteristics about me that I just had to kind of notice when I was trying to be aggressive and notice when I wasn't in control, it was okay. So I think that was something from like an upbringing that I had. But anyway, Robin, welcome subject is
1: you.
2: You know, it's it's always nature, nurture. Upbringing does play a critical role. And I'm not a psychologist. I'm not going to <laughs> pretend that I am. But over the years, you end up talking to a lot of people about this very topic, about how your background influenced you and how you were raised. It's always an open discussion. It's never anything definitive because we're not scientists, although I have talked to people who are, but or have studied the topic. But it's always interesting because you don't know what percentage the influence is, what were you born with, What, how your parents raised you, that kind of thing. Both my parents were around. My mother was an RN. She ran the baby nursery in the town where I grew up delivered a lot of babies, taught women, how to nurse.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I grew up with a lot of stories about, you know, basically warning you against having a baby too young, like <laughs> a 12 or something. We heard all those stories that actually happened. There was a big reality check there. And my father was from the Bronx. He was very hard edged. I can say, I think openly that he was pretty narcissistic uh, which was challenging. He was not physical with us, violent-wise, or anything like that. But he would yell, mm-hmm. and that was scary enough. And mm-hmm. that has an influence on you as well.
1: It does.
2: Uh, you, so, and and ironically, or coincidentally, whatever the appropriate word is, I'm very much like my father. It took me mm-hmm. years to get rid of his negative traits. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'm still working on that. I don't know. But he was really smart. Mm-hmm. not ambitious, but very smart. Mm-hmm. He, he was a grandmaster bridge player. Mm-hmm. He would keep all these hands wow. in his head. He could literally talk about a hand he played 10 years ago. Wow. So very sharp, very independent, but very difficult in a lot of ways.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So your upbringing plays a role, but as you get older too, hopefully you evolve and you start to realize what role all that played. And then you decide... How much of that is going to help you or hurt you driving forward?
0: I like the way you said that because you make the decisions, right? You make the decision, like, I'm going to take these characteristics that he handed down to me that are great, but get rid of the ones that are not so great because I don't need that in my life.
2: Well, yeah. Good for friendships
0: and relationships, too.
2: And work, life. Mm -hmm. It's impossible to get rid of all of it, you know, because it is what you are. (laughs)
0: But it takes strength. I mean, that's what this whole podcast yeah. is about, right? Like having the strength to make the decisions that are hard. And sometimes it's yeah. hard to look at your life and see what's working and what's not. Yeah,
2: it's a <laughs> but, self-aware. I mean, yes. I'm not Buddhist, but there are a lot of things about Buddhism that make so much sense about self-awareness and letting things go or things like that. I don't care how old you are. You're still you are. figuring things out. I don't think that ever ends. It's too complicated.
0: Until you die, you can't make those decisions anymore.
2: I think the whole point is to always try to be better. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's what I think about. What can I do better? How can I be better? Don't give up. Keep learning. All that is really important.
0: Right. And then letting that be the decision maker, right? I want to create things. I don't want to repeat what my expectations of my parents were for me to be rolled right. out in my oh, life. I'm the decision maker. I have autonomy, complete autonomy. And if you have an overbearing father, sometimes that does play a role in how you create your life, right? I tell Matt a lot of the times when I used to ask questions, the response my parents gave was because I told you so, right? right. <laughs> well, how does that help me create anything? Right. I'm curious. I want to know. I want to understand. I want to see that more than the fear of like doing this. This is the fear. Right. It's it's scary. It was so scary to start my own business. You're a businesswoman. You're an entrepreneur. You do all these things on your own. That's very challenging for people because it's that carrot of health insurance, 401k all these securities. And that's what keeps us in our job when we're miserable and don't enjoy what we do, right? Why not do something that's different?
2: There's a lot to unpack there, several items. First of all, it isn't just parents giving you direction, right? There's Mm -hmm. institutional things. Like right. if you have a religious family, systems. There's or, systems. I mean, anything conservative, mm-hmm. whether that's, you always have to have a job, the same job for 20 years, or you always go to church every Sunday, or you believe everything you hear. Those are things that eventually you have to decide what works for you or doesn't. And one little story I have about that is when I was about 12, we would go to my aunt's house and it would be like, okay, they're all going to temple, right? Mm-hmm they were going to get bar mitzvahed and we would go with them. And I would sit there and I go, what am I doing here? I never went to Hebrew school. I never really believed in any of that stuff. And I finally was brave enough to say to, I think my mother, I said, I don't want to go anymore. Like, why am I going to this? It doesn't make sense. And my mother said, okay. One of the things you had said you wanted to talk about were these rites of passage. And I was Mm -hmm. thinking about, I don't really have rites of passage. I don't know. It's not like I climbed a mountain or something. I was thinking a rite of passage in in terms of my own rites of passage Mm -hmm. were more about realizations. Yes. Uh, Yeah. So there was that one about the temple. I was thinking also, I'm in college. I was really shy, believe it or not. (laughs) And I was so afraid to just go to a bar and just walk in. Mm -hmm. I'm so afraid what people would think. I had a kind of tough childhood with friends and things like that. And finally, I just said to myself, what is the worst that can happen? That Mm -hmm. became a rule of thumb for me. Well, people might say funny things to me or pick on my clothes or Mm -hmm. say, oh, you have to leave. What's really the worst case scenario in that instance? And I was like, none of those things seem so bad. I could just leave and no harm, no foul. And after that, I never had a problem Mm -hmm. walking in. And that is kind of a little tiny lesson in a way that you could use in a lot of places. So later on in life, I started teaching. Mm -hmm. I used to be so nervous to get up in front of a group of people. Mm -hmm. I mean, the first time I ever did that was in grad school. I had to give a presentation by myself. Mm -hmm. And I try to prepare, I got all my stuff together. And I was so nervous that I could hear my heart beating in my ears. Mm -hmm. I couldn't even think. And I got through it and everybody said it was great. I was like, oh my God, how did that happen? Through the years, I had to give presentations for ad agencies and present creative and do things like that. And I was still nervous. I started teaching and even through getting up in front of a room and teaching and feeling more relaxed and not worrying if I flub, it's better to admit that you flubbed a little Mm -hmm. or you stumble over a word. But if you stay on task and you know your stuff, you get through it and you're okay. It's kind of a metaphor in a way. If you know your stuff, even though you flub, you can get through your business, you can get through your life. You know what I mean? And don't be afraid to, you know, it's okay to make a mistake because that's where the edges are.
0: And people are going to pick up whatever they're going to pick up. Right. I came to understand a little bit more. I wasn't working like 10 hours a day. I had a little bit more time to create. Even now, like I create a little bit of space because I can work on my business and not be in my business. And yet, it's fun at the same time because there are different roles. It keeps it alive and exciting. And I can decide what I want to change and what I don't want to change and what challenges me.
2: I would say the key there is. Not everybody should have their own business. There are some people who prefer the security and the regularity and the consistency of working for someone else. They don't want to make decisions outside their scope of knowledge mm-hmm. or what they feel comfortable with. And that is perfectly fine. Yes. Oftentimes, you make a lot more money working for someone else, and they take that extra burden off of you. I mean, and mm-hmm. I have to tell you, when I was mentoring at SCORE... The naturopath came in and he looked really worried when he came in for the mentoring session. And through talking with him, it turned out that his family was pushing him into starting Mm -hmm. his own practice. And I said, Let me tell you right now, I will be the one to say it. You are allowed not to start your own business. Right. If you feel comfortable working in a practice with other people and you don't want to do marketing and you don't want to deal with money and you don't want to deal with all the meta Mm -hmm. of being a naturopath. Then right. don't. That's a different right. business model.
0: I totally agree with that. What I'm also saying is, it shouldn't be a fear that holds you back. Of Work course. through your fears. A lot of people are stuck in their position. But the devil you know or the devil you don't know. And so you end up staying in that position. So I think it's just working through that and, and managing that anxiety and those thoughts that come along with those things. I've always wanted to have my own business, even since I was younger. That was a dream for me. Because I wanted to be my own boss and I wanted to be able to create whatever I wanted to create. And I saw those stipulations in different jobs where I didn't have the autonomy. I had to get the okay from the higher up. I was done with that. I realized I just wanted to train my people and not worry about that stuff. It wasn't that I wasn't liking what I was doing. I just didn't like who I was doing it for. That's it.
2: So, a couple of things there. First of all, an owner has very different goals than an employee. Mm -hmm. And so they're going to set the tone or do things that don't necessarily agree with how you would approach it, but also don't allow you to do your job the way you need to, oftentimes, unless they're really good at running a business and working with people. And that is a rare thing to find a very good manager, owner, depending on the size of the business, right? Right. Um, If you can work for someone in a very large company that really has your back, that knows how to manage, that knows how to let you do your job and helps shape the things around you that allow you to do your job, that's incredible. Mm -hmm. You know, when you meet someone like that, they're very happy in their jobs. The other thing I want to say is about the fear factor Mm -hmm. part that you were talking about. Getting over your fear is one aspect That is an essential aspect. Wanting self-determination and do your own thing is another aspect. Another really important thing is that you must have a can-do attitude. You can't just say, oh, I'm going to go to my fear of doing the business, but I hate selling. You Mm -hmm. can't do that. You have to own it. Literally, if you're going to do your own thing, you have to be the owner. The buck Mm -hmm. stops with you. You get the wins. You got to take the losses, you got to know how to fix the losses, you got to drive it. And I'm not saying you can't hire people to help you and do that kind of thing, but if something goes wrong, you got to fix it. You know, even if somebody else screwed up, well, you hired that person. I mean, somebody was literally talking to me about something like this yesterday. She said she hired this tax professional and they made a mistake. They made a big error. She didn't know she was going to have to pay this big chunk. So she had spent money in other ways that she thought she had. In essence, she doesn't have this money. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, get it to it right, now, but mm-hmm. you're still left holding the bag. You, you learn for next time. Yes.
0: There's and a you, lot of
2: lessons. It. That is part of the joy of having your own thing too, exactly. is that you get the wins. You learn a lot. We're even launching a new product with this client and I'm getting a piece of it. So I'll do the marketing. She's doing the product development, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's going to sell. We can do research. We can see what's out in the market. We can be prepared. We can keep the price point at the right place. We can set it up all. We can do all the marketing correctly. Right. And we still may not make any money on it. Right. But there is so much to be learned in just going through the exercise. And she has other things to pay her bills and all that, like her service part of her business. But this is how you start to branch out and grow, Mm -hmm. is that you take these steps.
0: That's right. How did you get into your job?
2: like Marketing. Marketing,
0: yes. How did you get into it? And how long
2: have you had your business, Robin? I've been in marketing since I left undergrad, even. Did you get your degree in marketing? Oh, my undergrad, first of all, was in economics. Economics, yeah. That's From amazing. SUNY schools in New York. SUNY Albany was my first degree. And my minor was political science. So political science economics, which is very different than a lot of marketing people. Right. Which gives me a, a unique perspective
1: mm-hmm.
2: in that I can I understand macro forces, micro forces, how all that works. I love analytical things. I have an MBA. Mm -hmm. I took a couple of marketing classes. I took a lot of operations classes, which I really liked as well. The way I got into marketing, literally, I mean, I had worked for ad agencies, as it turned out. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, what should I do? I felt that just working at ad agencies, I had learned a certain amount, but I didn't understand how business really worked. Mm -hmm. And I always thought I could get another degree. I felt I was capable of doing something more. Mm -hmm. So I said, well, I really should get a degree. Went to B school at Boston University. Mm -hmm. Few years, went full time. I studied and I got through it. But unfortunately, when you come out with a degree like I did, even though it's an MBA, like a lot of the big companies, they really wanted finance people. They weren't looking for someone with my skill set. So getting work was hard. But (laughs) make a long story short, I ended up working in advertising again. Because I had that background from working in Florida in advertising. And this is where I ended up working on my own the first time, for Mm -hmm. real. Mm -hmm. So I had helped this agency win a lot of new business, including getting a two-year project with Massport, which is the airport.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: And I had come up with the concept that won the account. I was the thinking behind it, but they wouldn't let me present it, but they did win it. And mm-hmm. all they did was take us out for sushi. That was my reward. Aww. And then, like six months wow. later, they let me go because my other, the other big client that I managed, I was account service side of it, they had cut their budget. So mm-hmm. they got rid of me. And they gave me one week severance. I told them I was really upset about it. I convinced them to give me two weeks, which, you know, how can you get a job in two weeks? Exactly. Right. And they weren't paying me like a million dollars. Believe me, if I was making 35K, it was a lot. It was crazy. I mean, this is quite a while ago, of course. But anyway, it was terrible. So I had another account that I worked with that was in telecommunications. And they actually hired me as a consultant. And I made more money that year working just with them than I had my whole year working with the agency without all the headaches and the jerkiness and... All the crap that I had to put up with working for them. And Great, so out. that's how you got into your own, my own thing. The first time, mm-hmm. I had a, a small—I I called it pinpoint marketing. Yeah, and I had—I got my own clients, and I made some good money, and this and that. And then things, life stuff happened, and I ended up getting a contract to work out in California mm-hmm. to get Pack Bell up and running, and. I did internal communications and they paid me steady and all that. That was really cool. And then when I came back, I ended up working in Manhattan on contract for some big agencies. And that's when mm-hmm. I was doing marketing presentations, digital marketing and the internet started really coming to the fore, believe it right. or not. <laughs> like ancient. Oh my God. Stop. I'm like one of those people that, like, I know what the before times were like working it- in marketing.
0: It's all perspective. I mean, just think of email, think of mail, email, texting, Instagram.
2: You
1: know,
2: I mean, I was, I was around way before that. And let me just put it out here on the airwaves (laughs) that marketing isn't that much different than how it always was because it springs from social science. It springs from consumer behavior. People are still people. (laughs) Exactly. Yes. Yes. They can share their bitchiness, their information, whatever, via social media. Yes, mm-hmm. social media has its role. Mm-hmm. But how people behave, how they shop, what they buy, it's there's the a same. lot that hasn't changed because we're still human. And some of the structures and paradigms that we've always used to understand consumers and how they p- behave and purchase, we can still use those structures to understand what's going on. So. Mm-hmm. When people say things like, oh, marketing is so different and you have to do this or this doesn't work anymore or throw that out, you don't really have to do that. It's an evolution, not a revolution. People get really caught up in that stuff, though, when they're starting a business or running a business. Mm -hmm. Because if you don't understand marketing, you don't know what's good and bad advice. It's really difficult to figure that out. And that's something that I work with clients on all the Mm -hmm. time. I help them make better decisions about how to approach marketing, right? so.
0: With a good perspective, ah, yeah. I think that's great. Like with an overall, yeah. this is the macro yeah. perspective, because right. we get lost in the details
2: oh, or vice totally. versa. Oh my
0: god, You're so yeah. detail-oriented that you forget the whole picture.
2: And in the marketing right. sense, the details are, oh, how often should I post on Facebook? Mm-hmm. It's like, that's not really the point. Do you actually have a product anybody wants to buy in the first place? Right. And why <laughs> should I buy it from you? Right? That stuff hasn't changed. Like you're a... Personal fitness trainer mm-hmm. and business owner, of yeah. course. And there are there are lots of you, mm-hmm. but there's no one you. Exactly. So th- and you have your own approach, your own style, your own philosophy behind what you do. And I work with people to help them figure out what that is and how to communicate that in a meaningful way on a website. And that becomes the most important thing because everybody ends up at your website eventually. Right. Anybody's mm-hmm. gonna buy from you pretty much, unless you have a storefront and people are walking in. Right. kind of thing. You're mm-hmm. buying a pen or something. <laughs> or you're buying from Amazon. But if you're working in services, that becomes a whole different game. Right. And you really can understand how that game is played, not only in how you present yourself, but how you communicate and use or leverage the digital space to... Right get awareness of what you do and all those things.
0: I think it's also important too that like the difference is between like when there's a lot of you, what separates you from
2: everyone else? What we call differentiation Differentiation. in the market. It could be something, just something incremental, Mm -hmm. but it has to be meaningful to the person that you want to buy from you. Right. It can't just be, oh, I'm different because I have purple hair. It's like, well, if I'm trying to get fit, that doesn't matter to me. Yes. What matters to me is that I can trust you, Mm -hmm. but you're always in marketing, you're always looking for that difference, whether it's in how you deliver yourself, your product, even how you price your things or how you package it up or communicate Mm -hmm. about it. You're always looking for every aspect of marketing that you can find differentiators in. And that ends up adding up into what makes you or your business you. But it's that end story that the person cares about, who's buying from you. Right. So yes, the validation, oh, that gives the credibility what you're telling me. mm -hmm. But what I'm really buying from you is that you're going to help me get lean. I don't know, Mm -hmm. a unique way in a way that is different from everyone else. I would say that you should carve your niche. When you're in a business, you're not there to work with everyone. Right. Oftentimes, it's about attraction, not Mm -hmm. just going after people or trying to win them. Right. If there is something that is completely attractive and interesting about you as a business or business owner or your personal brand, you really want to own that and stick to it. Right, because there's a gazillion people in the world. There's a gazillion people in Seattle that need personal training. You don't need a gazillion clients, so you don't have to take on everything. Right. And as a consultant, I mean, if we're going to talk about that, you want to really start thinking about the clients you're going to be successful with. For example, I always have a free thirty minute consult. Right. It's, It's You getting to know me, but me getting to know you too. And a big piece of that is I cannot work with people who think they know everything about marketing Mm -hmm. because it's impossible to know everything about marketing, first of all. And secondly, if you have your own business and your skill set is in whatever you're doing your business around, whether it's product or service or whatever, it's pretty sure you're not going to know as much about marketing as I do because that's all I do. I am a marketing expert. And if you know everything already, you're never going to find value in what I do. Exactly. So it's not going to be a good work relationship. So mm-hmm. I literally have talked people out of working with me because <laughs> I've been burned on that. You learn your lessons too. And you hopefully you don't repeat them. I had to repeat them a couple of times. before I got the
0: <laughs> I think we all have. Sometimes it takes us a couple lessons in that department for us to do that because we get emotionally attached. Something
2: or you're worried about making money, you need to be confident enough to say no to have the confidence that the other things I'm doing will work, mm-hmm. right? You know what? A business is a series of decisions
1: mm-hmm. every day,
2: you're making decisions every moment of the day. That's what a business is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> at the end. And the yes. more you know, the more you've learned, the more you move forward, the more you build your confidence you get better at making good decisions.
0: Sometimes we forget that we have the choice, but we make the choice consciously or unconsciously, right? Yeah,
2: but it's good to be conscious, I think.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, sometimes, you know, we get unconscious, we get depending on our emotions, right?
2: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Ironically, this is an issue that I think about in my own presentation, my own business is that I came of the school, you might say, or even my upbringing, that the emotional, you push that down, Mm -hmm. that that doesn't come to the fore. You're making logical, objective business decisions, right? Right, right. And even in grad school, I remember I was working with this friend. We were doing this case study, and it was all about what do you do with these employees as you downsize or something like that. And I was like, oh, just fire them, you Mm -hmm. know. And he said, you can't do that. You can't just fire people. You have to think about like what is their training or move them into other jobs and whatever and he really woke me up to the thinking that there is this emotional aspect in business that you cannot deny. Exactly. That you have to deal with people or people, where, you know, most businesses have people working in them. <laughs> mm-hmm. It isn't just punching out widgets and the value of that thinking was really impressed upon me. So speed up to today, You see a lot of people getting traction in YouTube, online, with their businesses, when they do tap in to that a little more emotional messaging.
1: Mm
2: -hmm. I'm allowing for a little more of the appeal to the emotional. I'm not saying boo-hoo emotional. No, (laughs) no, no, no. But just tapping into how do my clients feel? Often a big word that comes up is overwhelmed. Right. How do I communicate? To them, that I will help them not be overwhelmed. So, to to using that in your language, in your communication, you can mm-hmm. still be businesslike and professional,
1: mm-hmm. but
2: it is an important, a very important consideration to tap into what is that, not only what they're thinking, but how they are feeling.
0: Right. The emotional
2: to... thing has several roles, mm-hmm. let's say. One is you personally really love what you do, you can motivate yourself. You're motivated by seeing people transform ideas. How do we achieve or make use of that passion? Mm -hmm. How does it result in how I deliver my business? I know when I do teaching, people always say, I love your energy. I like what you say. I like how you broke it down. And that comes from me loving marketing, right? Right. You love fitness, Fitness. helping people transform, as I said, and and having that one-on-one relationship. But the emotional piece is also thinking about how does your customer feel? How do you want to make them feel? Or how can you tap into the emotion that they want to feel? Mm -hmm. So there's many, many ways to think about that emotional energy, even to the point of when you are creating advertising or a website or anything at all, when you are communicating in a way that is emotional, like Mm -hmm. even just funny, Mm-hmm. If you tap into the funny bone, emotion creates memory. And then memory is what you want for them about you. You want them to remember you. Right. So taking that little creative risk mm-hmm. emotionally, creatively can help you create better marketing materials. Right. And communicate in a way that is meaningful and memorable.
0: Exactly. You said it, girl. Come on. <laughs>
2: When you run your own business, you are in charge of making your own decisions. I can make decisions. I can lay stuff out and say, okay, we can do this, this, or this. I can mm-hmm. help clients with that. I do it for myself. I'm f- pretty affirmative. And I have my own opinion about which one would go. And I can even persuade somebody to, to make a particular action. But I have mm-hmm. to be careful of that because I can be extremely persuasive. <laughs> and you, know, you don't want to always have responsibility for that decision. Okay. Mm-hmm. So... But other people are offended by that very definitive approach. Mm -hmm. They are intimidated by it, right? So that's where you get in trouble with something like that. And particularly in Seattle, you know, coming from New York, (laughs) pretty straight up. When I worked, it was like, okay, we're having a problem here. Here's some things we can do to fix it. Here's why I think we should do this one. And that's how you go through the logic of it. It isn't personal. Mm -hmm. I'm not dissing anybody I'm not saying, oh, you screwed it up. That's why it's not working. I don't say that. But you come out to the West Coast and Mm -hmm. all of a sudden it's like you're in a meeting and you have to say it like this. You have to say, well, I kind of noticed that our numbers are a little bit down this month. I don't know why they're that way. But I'm wondering if maybe we should take a look at it at our next meeting. Or maybe we all can go look at it and then come back with their ideas and each give our opinion (laughs) about what we think we should do. And then maybe we should vote on it and then have another meeting to, (laughs) like, figure out how we're going to tell our boss what we think so we don't piss him off and yada, yada, yada. You know, something that can be decided in 20 minutes. It's like rolled
0: out into like many meetings, many not just meetings, meetings. but it's
2: like you never get there. Yeah, and it's like who's who's in charge here? No, we're all a team. Kumbaya, we all have to (laughs) be good about this. You know, it's like oh god, and you know another good reason I run my own thing. But that being said, when you're (laughs) audience, you have to be sensitive. Obviously, I have to think about how I'm gonna say something, approach something, how I write an email. People who don't like my New York vibe will not work with me. Yeah. But then that's their decision, right? That's like, yeah, there's more. Other people like that I can say, okay, don't do that. Do this because here's why you should do it. I don't just make decisions on a whim. Mm -hmm. If I don't know why you should do something and I feel it's a little more intuitive just based on my experience, then I will say that. Mm -hmm. But I can say, you know, we know that when we do websites this way, this has worked for other people. Right. You know, you put a 30-minute free consult, you put it out there, it works. Let's do that. Other things are a little squishier and you have to try it, see if it works. If it doesn't, you change it. But that's all I'm saying, working with people. I found in the corporate space, not my space. I admit it Mm -hmm. freely right here. You know, (laughs) it's really hard for me to make that work. I'd have to be in charge.
0: (laughs) But the difference is you're working with other business owners and they can decide yay or nay. I like that. When we get together, every time we do a revamp on my website, every time we do a Mm -hmm. revamp on what programs I'm working on, you ask me good questions. And that's important because I need to know, like, why I do certain things. I mean, that's the joy of having new clients. They always. Ask me stuff where I'm just like, Oh, yeah, I forget that I've been in this business for so long that I kind of don't know how to talk layman's terms,
2: right? Like, you you know, (laughs) tennis, I have to bring tennis up because tennis is my because
0: you love tennis. You better tell people about tennis.
2: tennis. When I started learning tennis at 55, it was like a whole new thing to me, Mm -hmm. and it makes you humble. It It made me a better teacher about marketing because you you realize where people have to start. You remember what it feels like to be a beginner and how intimidating that is and all those things. And That was one of the lessons learned, and it was great. For that reason, once again, it's good to keep learning new things. I'm learning, that's, and I've been traveling. I spent a month in Portugal, and when you travel, it's like, how do I figure out the bus? I mean, I don't know how people traveled before they had Google, but Google Maps. <laughs> because you get on the bus, you don't know where it's going to stop exactly. You know where you have to go, but how many stops is it? And then the thing right. in the bus doesn't always work and you can't understand what they're announcing anyway. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, what? It all sounds the same, <laughs> You know, and you're tracking and you got to learn how to use maps that so will track where you're going. And mm-hmm. every day is a new learning new experience. Thing. Everybody should do it just for that it gets you out of your own head. It gets you out of all the crap that you're worried about.
0: I have a client. That's what he does. He takes people, different groups to travel all over the world, all over the U.S.
1: Cool. It's
0: something new. It breaks the loop of what you, you are used to. It causes you to think outside of your normal, habitual way of being and doing.
2: People are different. Culture is different. So you, you just make it work. That's what I'm saying. But I found that it would have been nice to have a few places where I could have gone to have a meal with other people. You yes. know what I mean? Yeah. Um, just for the company. And also I love to that. Learn from the locals. Yes. You know?
0: Learn from the locals.
2: Next time I'm going to line up some evening things mm-hmm. that I can do, like for dinners and things ahead of time. Like maybe I'll take a cooking class. Maybe I'll do some of these dinner things. But that's my lesson for the next time I travel. Right. Is to get that kind of hooked up before I go. Right.
0: And that's great. I mean, that applies in so many of other departments in your life too.
2: You're open. You
0: ask for information, you get advice, you hire a professional. Like, I, I I don't know what I would have done had I just not gone to Winnet and, and been introduced to you and then move from there. Like you meet different people at your points of your life to help you be successful. The question is, are you open enough to be successful or do you close yourself down because you know it all? Like you mentioned,
2: you know, committing to a class is Mm -hmm. a lot different than hiring a professional because financially it's a huge difference, right? right? But as
0: I Um, listened to you in class, I was like, I need to hire this lady. (laughs) That's why, I, right? You're like, I got a little taste and sometimes it's the same thing with my semi-privates. I'm like, don't do personal training. Why don't you just do semi-privates? Like they're cheaper. You get to experience, you do the workouts and then you realize, oh, I need a little help in that one. So I need to actually- Right, I to right. I mean,
2: it all depends training. on how much of your resources it's going to take, right? Right. I'm the first to DIY it. Because, you know, if it's anything marketing related or digital technology related, I'm going to teach myself. I need somebody else to do it. Financially, I could have a bookkeeper, but I don't really need it. You know, I have tax software. If my business were more complex, I would do that, right? Mm -hmm. You have to know what you don't know.
0: Exactly. And know
2: what you know. And it and then you have to say, okay, what's it gonna cost me? Are there other ways to accomplish the same thing? How much do I want to invest my own time when I could be just servicing a client instead? Mm -hmm. I get paid more to do that than to pay someone else or even finding colleagues to work with. Mm -hmm. Like I'm working on this really big project that has to do with social research Mm -hmm. and they needed a marketing component, but I'm not a social researcher. Mm -hmm. So I brought in a colleague of mine to team up as a subcontractor. Mm -hmm. So that's another way to get help. It isn't Mm -hmm. only to help you with your business, literally, but teaming up extends your value. Right, You get combined skills without having to really hire people. That's always, that's a whole nother complicated thing. I don't really want employees. I don't want to be a people manager per se, but if I work with colleagues, they're responsible for their own work. I mean, mm-hmm. I still have to, to make sure it all hangs together, but right. that's my way of extending,
0: mm-hmm. you might say. Right. And that's perfect because it's a different industry and mm-hmm. yeah, you exactly. know what you like to do and you know what you don't like to do. But you have to think outside of the box because of that, right? What are you going to do?
2: I'm like, Oh, right, if you're going to take the impact of COVID. That's yeah. an interesting thing. <laughs> it's still impacting. Uh, that I
0: was going to say how that affected you. How was that?
2: I actually got busier,
0: right? more online, right?
2: Grown in the past few years. Some people got extra funding, I guess, that helped, or people started thinking, "Oh, I want to do something different." This Mm -hmm. it kind of jiggered people out of their comfort zone. I'm getting more referral business and all that kind of thing now, Mm -hmm. and I have worked at home since way before the pandemic. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) to me, that was nothing new at all. And I had used Zoom before, but mostly just for sharing a screen when we were discussing a website or something. It was never to do a lot of this. I was literally going to clients and it would take like, I mean, a meeting would be a whole day in Mm -hmm. essence, because by the time you prepared, by the time you got dressed to go, you drove in traffic, you'd meet with the client, maybe you'd have lunch or something, Mm -hmm. and then you come back in traffic. And that was the whole day. There's no way you could do any more work. That would be enough for one day, or you'd have to do a wrap up and write notes. And now I can have a meeting with a client for even a couple of hours. And then it's much more efficient. We can share a screen, we can talk, we can do a whole lot of things. And I do miss meeting clients for the in-person experience, because there's nothing that can replicate that. And I miss teaching in person. Teaching online is nothing like teaching in person. When I was in Portugal, I actually had a new business Zoom call with someone. And, you know, I do Zoom from my home. And then here I am in Sintra, Portugal, Mm -hmm. which is this very historic place. It was beautiful. So I'm Mm -hmm. in this kitchen area and I set up in the corner of it. They had great Mm Wi-Fi and I'm doing the Zoom call like I would do just in my own living room. And I'm thinking, this isn't anything different than I could do anywhere and of course, people say that now, but when you think about that—we never did this before. I know. And now it has become just so normal.
1: Yeah.
2: It's amazing. I okay. remember working at AT&T Wireless, and we weren't doing video on phones yet. You know, phones <laughs> were still relatively new. You know, we had text, and even having email was pretty cool via the phone. Mm-hmm. or you could go on a website via just... the phone. And then all of a sudden, you know, we were talking about oh, you could do video calls, and that was like. Magical, and now it's so ordinary, it's the most incredible thing when you think back about how we used to do the things. Yeah, you know, it's crazy.
0: All right, girl, I'm gonna have to wrap it up, but I had one more question for you What does what they mean to you? What does being strong, what does strength mean Mm -hmm. for you?
2: Well, physical and mental, of course. Mm -hmm. So, uh, being strong physically. At this point, I mean, being able to just do what you want to with your body, like being able to walk all over Portugal and walk the hills and, you know, do all that. Right. So you get that physicality part, being flexible enough to be comfortable playing tennis, you know, all those things and being healthy. Of course, I work at that. So I consider that a strength. And then mentally strong is. Being confident. Mm hmm confident. You were wondering about like health and all that. We didn't really talk about that. (laughs) Except on special occasions, like New Year's, I had creme brulee or on Valentine's day, I'm going to eat chocolate or whatever. But for the most part, I've pretty much cut it out. Like I don't eat cake Mm -hmm. all the time and all that. And I drop weight. I'm leaner. You know, of course I eat healthy anyway, but the sugar thing was like such a big deal, but still shit happens. Mm -hmm. So don't beat yourself up if occasionally you need an ice cream. When Mm -hmm. I traveled around Portugal, I had gelato. Mm -hmm. Come on. But don't beat yourself up for treating yourself. You need to treat yourself well on the fun side. Because like have a soda every once in a while, but don't drink it all the time.
0: Maybe that's strength for some people too, because of the fact that they really bury themselves under the guilt of having something like that i think people especially at the beginning of the year when you set the intention of what you want to do like maybe this is the year that you branch out or maybe this is the year that you expand your hobbies it was so good to hear your story and just have some nuggets so thank you thanks so much for your time i appreciate it okay
2: thanks for having me for sure thanks for
0: listening to today's podcast of Bien fuerte mi gente We would so appreciate it if you would write a review on whatever podcast platform you are using so that we can get the word out. And please, if you find a podcast episode useful, share with a friend. Being Fuerte is powered by my company, Fuerte Fitness, at fuertefitness.com. Connect with us on all of our social media at Fuerte Fitness. Let us know what you want to hear more in depth of competition, nutrition, workouts, or how to find a balance. We will be interviewing gym owners, trainers, coaches, clients, friends, and many others in our industry. Connect with us at Fuerte Fitness on Instagram or on our website. Gracias
1: y adiós.